these changes that are that are coming in 2021, they're different than any of the documentation guidelines we've been relying on before, because as we talked about before, they're coming from the AMA who controls CPT. Right. So, so, so kind of know, go into that for me. Well, you know, so I guess I'd start this conversation off by saying one of my primary goals always to, is to get people to understand uh, what I call the, the triad, right? We have coding, we have coverage, and we have reimbursement, right? And coding, using the, the CPT codes, as you've alluded to, every CPT code has a very specific, discrete definition, right? Whether it's an ophthalmic code or an ENM code or a special ophthalmic procedure code or a surgical code. It's the only legal way that we have to describe what happened during the patient-physician encounter to the outside world, right? So that code has a very discrete meaning. Coverage is what happens if somebody has payment assistance through third-party insurance that then sets both frequency and or uh, utilization guidelines or you know, indications of medical necessity, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. That's what a third party does when they say you're getting paid with somebody else's money. We're going to assist, but you have to meet these sets of rules. Then there's reimbursement, which is how much money you're getting paid or you've agreed to accept based upon third-party assistance or what you've set your fees at for the open market. So when we get into the coding aspect, you're right. So 1995 was the very last time that we had a major shift in how we described our services that we provided with the implementation of the evaluation and management codes at that point in time. Prior to that, optometry really had only used the ophthalmic codes, which were consisted of four different levels of service, right? And that's, that's it. So for 25 years now, uh, the last major revision was 1997 in the definition of those codes. Um, we've been operating under the same subset. And um, now in 2021, we're going to have a brand new definition of things. Now I, I will say that. Hello and welcome to Chris Will Podcast on iCode Media. Today is the second part of the conversation I had that we started last week uh, with practice valuations with Dr. John Rampakis. And in this week's episode, we kind of transition into talking about the 9-9 code changes that are occurring in 2021. So I think it's a really important topic to, to understand and wrap our minds around. We both agree that it, it will really simplify our approach to communicating the level of care we're providing for specific patients. So please enjoy our conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, and share it with your friends. And support those who support us. We've been providing myopia control treatments in our practice for years. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, CooperVision has received FDA approval of its innovative MySight One Day contact lens. This will be the cornerstone of a comprehensive myopia management approach to be offered by CooperVision. This daily wear, single-use contact lens is the first and only FDA-approved product clinically proven to slow the progression of myopia when initially prescribed for children 8 to 12 years old and when compared to children in the control group wearing a single-vision one-day contact lens. Check out the show notes for all the specific prescribing details and to get more information about this lens and how you can begin to offer it in your practice. I think that's a good transition point, John, into trying to move into the other topic of conversation I wanted to have you on because I actually do think that some of the things we do with the billing and coding can be very similar to an equation. 
you provide the exact right care in your words, and I, I use them all the time, the exact right care for the exact right patient for the very specific situation they're coming in for. You do all those things, and there is sort of an equation that tells us what what do we get to, to charge for that, or, or essentially what, what is the level of that care that we provided. Yeah. And that is a hugely common uh, misconception about where about how people, my interpretation is that how people are interpreting those rules, but they're very concrete. And -hmm. I think with the changes in 2021, they're actually even more concrete uh, in a lot of ways. And so let's talk about that. Um, What's your experience when you think about advising practices and and, um, practices and then also individual doctors about okay, we have a set of nine, two codes, right? And we have a set of evaluation and management codes. Um, these changes that are, that are coming in 2021, they're different than any of the documentation guidelines we've been relying on before, because as we talked about before, they're coming from the AMA who controls CPT. Right. So, so, so kind of go into that for me. Well, you know, so I guess I'd start this conversation off by saying one of my primary goals always to, is to get people to understand uh, what I call the the triad, right? We have coding, we have coverage, and we have reimbursement, right? And coding, using the, the CPT codes, as you've alluded to, every CPT code has a very specific, discrete definition, right? Whether it's an ophthalmic code or an E&M code or a special ophthalmic procedure code or a surgical code. It's the only legal way that we have to describe what happened during the patient-physician encounter to the outside world, right? So that code has a very discrete meaning. Coverage is what happens if somebody has payment assistance through third-party insurance that then sets both frequency and or uh, utilization guidelines or indications of medical necessity, things like that, Mm -hmm. right? That's what a third party does when they say, you're getting paid with somebody else's money, we're going to assist, but you have to meet these sets of rules. Then there's reimbursement, which is how much money you're getting paid or you've agreed to accept based upon third-party assistance or what you've set your fees at for the open market. So when we get into the coding aspect, you're right. So 1995 was the very last time that we had a major shift in how we described our services that we provided with the implementation of the evaluation and management codes at that point in time. Prior to that, optometry really had only used the ophthalmic codes, which were consisted of four different levels of service, right? And that's that's it. So for 25 years now, uh, the last major revision was 1997 in the definition of those codes. Um, We've been operating under the same subset. And now, in 2021, we're going to have a brand new definition of things. Now, I, I will say that, um, I guess as disclosure, I always like to, I always, when I do a lecture on, on coding and compliance and all of that, um, one of the things I always explain to an audience is, is that please don't shoot me for getting political. And I don't mean to get political, <laughs> but healthcare is political today, right? And so some of these changes that we're seeing um, have been politically driven, hmm. um, irrespective of what side of the fence you're on. And I, I'll just say I'm a political agnostic in this topic. Okay? Yeah, but can you explain uh, that a little bit more? Why do you say they are, why it is political? Well, because remember, every administration that comes into play, um, 
has different focus or priorities. This particular administration in one of the, in, in the area of healthcare reform, because uh, remember, we're still operating under the Affordable Care Act but that was implemented in January of 2014. But this administration, and, and some may say, well, they've been trying to kill this or do whatever. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, those are the facts that are out sure, there. Sure. But what they've also focused on as far as policy goes is that they have really tried to reduce the amount of administrative burden on a given physician's office. Right. So the changes that we're seeing implemented into, reflected into the new uh, CPT codes that are coming out or the new definitions of the existing CPT codes that are coming out has been driven by how can we have the doctor focus on the patient more and less on the minutia of scoring their examination. So, you know, where, whatever side of the political spectrum sure. you're on, I, I don't really, I don't, you know, I'm not going to argue with you one way or the other. I'm just going to say that the changes that we have had have meant to reduce the administrative burden at the point of care where that comes into play. Right. So whereas our existing CPT code system that's in place right now and, in, and until 1231, remember that you have to ind independently score the level of your history that you're doing independently score the level of examination that you're performing and then individually score your medical decision-making. So then once I get my history score, my, you know, exam score and my medical decision-making score, then I have to apply it to a matrix. And if I'm a new patient, I have to meet three out of three conditions. If I'm an established patient, I have to meet two out of those three conditions. And then I go, oh, that's a 99212 or a 99203 or a 14 whatever yep. it may be. Yep. And it slides um, because I may only need this level of history for a level four new patient, this level of history for a level four established patient. And so right. that adds to, as you said, I mean, I'll, I'll make the political comment. I think, I think it is uh, great. I think, and I actually don't even think it's a political one. I think it's great that, that we're putting patients over paperwork to steal CMSs. I do. Term. I yeah. do too. Yeah. I mean, I, I just have a feature article come out in review of optometry this month. Um, it's October. So this month in, um, in, uh, in review explaining, and it's the first time I've uttered these words out of my mouth is that finally things are getting easier. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. um, I've, I've never, I've never been able to say that in my 36 year career in, in doing this. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm really happy and maybe people say, well, gosh, you know, now that's taking away your job of explaining how hard it is and teaching people. It's not, I'm still teaching people after, you know, 25 years of doing stuff, right. but you know, I, I do think that for once we are putting patient care and the physician patient encounter uh, above the minutia of recording the exam. Right. So, you know, when we look at um, where we're going and I'll kind of tell you the conclusion first, and then we, you and I can That's explore great. how we got, got there is that for the evaluation and management visits starting in, in January of 2021, you as the independent physician on a patient by patient basis get to determine whether you want to use time as your guidance for scoring a visit, or you can rely on just medical decision-making. But what they've essentially done is they say, you no longer have to score your history. You no longer have to score your examination at all. We're counting on you, doctor, just to do a medically appropriate history based upon the patient's presentation, and then based upon what you learn in the presentation and in your history, a medically appropriate examination. No more elements, no more counting this or that, right? Just do what you think is best for that patient. And then 
apply medical decision-making if you choose to do that, or time if you choose to do that. And I will say that the, probably the hardest thing out of all of this will have people learn that time is being redefined and um, how you count time is uh, going to be different. And I, this is just a message to any people who are developing EHRs out there. You need to all develop a counter that automatically counts the minutes based upon the uh, physician's status in the EHR, whether they're logged in and doing each of the eight elements that are now defining time. You need to create that so we can implement it better. It's really interesting because I, I hadn't even thought about, um, I had thought about time for a while to, to kind of, and I, that's one of the things I wanted to pick your brain about is, would it be more advantageous for some practices? You know, if you're on a schedule of seeing, now, if you're seeing, you know, patients every half hour, I don't think it's the right thing to do to just be like, uh, I, but because I have, I have sat in with, with a nephrologist where I knew she was trying to get to a level based on time. And so I was like, you don't need to ask me this next question. Like I could tell, I was like, I'm, I'm in here for an hour. There's no way I need to be in here for an hour. And, right. um, but so that's not what I'm advocating for, but it's an interesting idea to be able to say, look, if I'm scheduled, very simple, if I'm scheduling this amount of time for this type of patient encounter, right? If we're good enough about saying, okay, this is, this is the type of patient that, that we're going to see in this slot. This is the type of patient we're going to see in this slot. Then time actually, if you know how much a specific encounter is going to take, you know that it becomes more simple. But mm -hmm. I didn't even really think about the idea that now all of a sudden EHRs, all of their click boxes here and different boxes there, it could be, I mean, all you really need is medical decision making and a counter, right? A good right. way for doctors to determine medical decision making and a, and a time counter. And then a yeah. space for people to be able to put stuff. I mean, it could and, be and one page again. You could, you could have your EHR basically be a SOAP format, right? right. I mean, just yep. clean, plain, and simple, and a scorecard for MDM and a timer. Um, Do so you want to develop talk that about, with me? Yes, I will. <laughs> I think we it's can crazy. It, and we can sell it to the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'm in. I, I'm definitely in. Um, the thing is, is that Here's the thing that hurts optometry. And I got asked this yesterday by an account of mine, that uh, a software customer of mine that was just asking me some questions about this and said, um, you know, what would you do? Would you rely upon time or would you rely upon medical decision-making? And I said, well, the beauty is, is you have flexibility. I said, but if it was me knowing what I know is that I probably would say that medical decision-making would probably be where I would end mm -hmm. up maybe 60 to 75% of the time. I said, I don't know that, but based upon what I'm seeing, I think that that would probably be the way that I would go. Um, because um, time, we don't benefit as optometrists from the time aspect as much as others. And I'll, I'll tell you why, and, and it's how time is defined. So the only people that can accrue time are individuals that are recognized as federally qualified healthcare professionals, right? Mm -hmm. That means our techs are not considered to be in that group. Right. We are as physicians, but they're not. And so unless it's a PA or an RN or something of that nature, right? So I do get compensated though for my time in preparing for the case, right? So reviewing previous records, I get paid for the time, or I should say, I get um, acknowledged. I the, the time I, you're spending doing it gets recognized. Yeah, 
Right. Yeah. So reviewing the record prior to the patient coming in, reviewing a history taken by somebody else, my face-to-face examination time, my time spent ordering other tests, my time spent counseling the patient, family member, or other responsible party, um, time uh, ordering prescriptions, time recording things in my EHR after the patient has left, time coordinating care if I need to work with another professional. There's about seven or eight different bullet points that redefine what time is. So Actually, I can I'm going to cover those on the bonus episode before this one comes out. So that's great that you, you pointed that out as well, because okay. people will have kind of an understanding of, of that time value. Because I think it's important because it, it does allow us to now all of a sudden, oh yeah, I am doing work for this patient for this specific care. And right. some patients I mean, require a lot more time. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why it's hard to give an absolute. And I think that's why they gave flexibility to you being able to choose which benefits you the most by the time spent or MDM. And to and, be clear, and, so, so just so the listeners can understand this, I don't have to pick and always use one and always use the other. I could use one for one encounter and the next guy could be another one and the next guy could be the other one. And that's, that's, that's going to be, there's going to be common questions about that too. Yeah, I, that's my that's my current understanding is that it's on a patient by patient basis. That's your discretion as a physician. Your medical record is going to always have to back up whichever method you did, right? Of course, and and do that. But you know, we both we all understand the concept that they're trying to employ, and what that basically is saying. We for the you know we're recognizing and for the first time acknowledging that you're not getting compensated for the time that occurs before the patient is in front of you mm-hmm. and the time that you're spending planning that patient's care after the patient leaves the encounter, right? And that's what they're really trying to do is to put in a holistic view and saying, look, we want to pay you for caring for the patient, whether that incur, you know, occurs face-to-face or whether that occurs before, during, and after. And that's what they're trying to do by uh, itemizing that in different ways. And, and I will say this to your listeners is that Precision matters, right? There's big differences mm-hmm. between 29 minutes and 30 minutes in right. compensation. To you, it's just a minute. Maybe it's 50 bucks. You know, right. it's, it's your choice, right? So you got to pay attention to the small differences. That's why I think if we come up with a good system that is going based upon login, yep. right? Because everybody's supposed to have a discrete login. And what activity are you doing? Start the timer. Now go into this. We can start to then you know, have a a good way of of doing that. Um, The medical decision making portion of the changes have been, I'm going to say, I don't think to be overly significant in being difficult to understand. What they've attempted to do is to really remove a lot of ambiguity uh, in the language and make it much more straightforward. Uh, The nice thing is, is if you're scoring on, um, if you're scoring on just medical decision making, it's absolutely equal between new if the patient is a new patient yep. or an established patient, which I think is a big, big deal, right? Because yes. I don't have to start worrying about that. I just apply the same process. And if the patient's new, I score it one way. If the patient's old, I score it another way. The other major change, Chris, is that they have eliminated 99201. So a level one examination on a new patient that code has been ex- uh, eliminated because they basically said that the amount of work in the medical decision making is virtually the same so as a 99202 so the minimum level of service that we can provide is 99202 to a new patient the other thing i think that is so great 
And I know I have those out there that disagree with me, but I'll just state my opinion and why is that it has been very difficult for in any single system subspecialist, whether you're an optometrist, an ophthalmologist, an allergist, you know, anything buddy like that to score a 992-04 or 05, because we don't meet the requirements of performing a comprehensive history, specifically relying upon the 14, right, elements of the review of systems. And in order to get a complete history, I have to have at least 10 of those, eyes included, as an ocular review of systems that are germane and pertinent to the patient's presentation. Why are they in your office? Now, which systems actually pertain to that? If they're not germane to that, why are you asking all the questions of all the systems? Because they're not going to affect your care, you know, right. uh, what you, you know, provide to care. So with this new system that's in place, since we don't have to score a history anymore, the review of systems goes out the window. You do now what you think is appropriate for the history in the exam. I think it opens up higher level new patient encounters for a single system subspecialist like optometry. So I think 99204s are now in the realm of possibility or more commonly could be coded based upon the medical decision-making aspects of things. Um, so, so that's, that's you know, interesting because this disagreement will go away in what, three months, two months, basically two and a half yeah. months. But I'm one of I, I am actually one of those people that would disagree with with your interpretation of, of that history. And I only want to I only want to throw this out there is um, if you have a patient who has diabetes, for example, um, yes. if you look at our clinical practice guidelines, it specifically spells out there's there are easily ten review of systems that uh, that our clinical practice guidelines would recommend that we inquire about. So are is it the case just that um, like for somebody that comes in with blur? Is probably not appropriate. We would agree on that. Right. But well, so, for example, here's what I see happening, right? Somebody comes in and they're a chronic glaucoma patient. Right. Okay. And maybe they, they have are established. It doesn't matter in our okay. new system. But right? no, I'm asking about the old system. Real quick. Okay, the old system. So yeah. so let's say they're let's say they're an established patient. Right. Okay. Just for just for a moment, we can take the new patient as well. If they're an established patient. Why are they in your practice for the first time, right? right. So um, a lot of people think because they're glaucoma, they have to be a high-level visit because they optometrists still associate glaucoma with a high level of morbidity Correct. or whatever it may be. And, and clinically, I disagree with that, but that's neither here nor there. So now I'm going to say to myself, if I've got a patient who's, let's say, 55 to 60 years old that I'm managing for glaucoma, tell me what, and they're in for a follow-up examination. Right. Tell me, why do I need to ask about all of the systems? What, what, what systems have they had changes in or what are pertinent to their clinical health profile that are going to affect the care that I'm giving going forward or could affect the examination I'm going to perform or something like that, right? Totally correct. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing that you can't get to 10. I'm just trying to say, and I'm not saying that an optometrist can't do a 99204 under our existing system, but I just try to say that those 99204s are going to be significantly less in our existing system than I think the new system is opening up for. Exactly. Okay? And I think that's the point that I want to hammer home because I think yes. a lot of the people, a lot of optometrists think they, that they, that I don't know about a level four. Uh, I don't know if I can do that. Well here it's just, it's very clean, right? Yes, what, it's what very was your clean. MDM uh, right. or your time? 
or your time. And and I think that the MDM uh, aspects of things are are. I don't think they're going to be there that hard to learn or they're that much different than what they are today. Maybe some small changes in wording, but other than that, I think the primary application is going to be very similar. So I think it's going to be very, for most most individuals, I hope it's a very seamless transition to the new system. Um, the other thing that I would say that we want to be aware of is if you are using time in 2020, uh, and you go over a certain time, like an hour, mm-hmm. um, you can only bill in 30 minute increments and uh, in the prolonged services aspects of things. In the new system, they've implemented a new CPT code for prolonged services that allows you to bill for 15 minute increments mm-hmm. as well. So I think that that's important. So if I had to highlight things and I, you say, what's the five things people want to know about the new system is number one, that 99201 goes away. Number two is specific requirements for history and examination go away. And the wording specifically in the CPT codes is medically medically appropriate history and medically appropriate examination. The only thing that differs in the definition of a 99202 and an 03 and an 04 and an 05 is, you know, uh, straightforward decision making, low, you know, low uh, complexity, moderate and advanced or, you know, uh, complexity. So that's the only differences. Um, The third thing is, um, I lost my track here. Um, uh, 99201 is gone. Um, So that's, you know, that's there. And then we have prolonged um, uh, services in 15 minute increments. So I think this is going to be, you know, good. the other thing that people have asked me is, does it mean I'm going to make more money? And I say not necessarily, because right now we're faced with an 11% reduction from Medicare based upon the change in the proposed conversion factor. And uh, you know, everybody needs to understand that Medicare has to be budget neutral. And they may forget that one of the emergency waivers that was put into place this year was the waiving of copays and deductibles mm. for telehealth visits and who picked those up, right? right. CMS, right. you know, picked all those up. So with an, an increased financial burden uh, that they're placed, it's going to have to result in less money somewhere else since Medicare has to be budget neutral on doing things. Now, there are currently uh, many lobbies uh, going forward to Congress to try to prevent that uh, conversion factor decrease from taking place. Right now, conversion factor is approximately $36.09, and it's yep. going to go to about $32.12. So it's about an 11% reduction. In eye care, uh, mostly with ophthalmolo- ophthalmological codes, we're proposed to see an, an additional 6% reduction uh, as well. So hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean changing or getting to a higher level is going to get you, you know, higher net income because you have two different dynamics going on right. at the same time. Right. But I do think, I do think um, that this is going to help to reduce audit risk for people. I think that it is going to help streamline uh, your practice and maybe take some of the anxiety away that people have when did I do all of these different check boxes on things? I can really kind of compl- you know, really concentrate on the patient care and the encounter uh, that I'm doing. And, and I think that those are very much positives just for the healthcare system overall. Yeah, I totally agree. Let, let me let me ask you, maybe we go three minutes right here at the end, because when if we can get into just a couple of the nuances of the types of problems and how you would think through whether it's stable or chronic or I mean that's that's one problem I think with the EHR I use is that 
if I were going to add a comment about whether the condition is stable or, or uh, worsening or improving, um, I've got to actually type it in or I have to create a new box to drag over it. There's not an easy selection of, is this problem new? Is it worsening? Is it improving? Is it chronic? Is it, you know, is it acute? So in your mind, what would be a self-limited minor type of problem? If John was looking at that, can you think of an eye care problem that is self-limited or minor? Yeah, I've got I my ideas, but like, what would you think? I think that'd be probably pretty much like a, you know, uh, bacterial conjunctivitis, you know, something like that. Um, you know, I mean, something that is probably in and of itself self-limiting. We know that what we're doing when we are prescribing something or, you know, something like that, that you're just simply accelerating the healing process, probably taking it from seven days down to three days. Mm. But that is really just a self-limiting type of a situation. Um, I look at, you know, a chronic condition, something like glaucoma, something yep. like a dry eye, right? Macular degeneration. Um and a deep, you know, again, on macular degeneration, depending on if it's dry or wet and, and, and how it's progressing, of course. But, you know, you can have many concomitant conditions yeah. in eye care that say, look, I've got multiple chronic conditions that are stable, right? And I look at my record and might, might say, great, you know, my IOP is whatever measure, you know, the appearance of the optic nerve, the visual field, any other ancillary testing that you've done that says, look, I've got this patient pretty well maintained. They're homeostatic to some degree then I think you can, you know, easily rely upon that. And, you know, the thing is, it's nice out of the, um, I, I forgot to mention this, by the way, and I apologize. No, it's okay. Out of the medical decision-making, right? So right now, um, when you're looking at your medical decision-making, we, we always have to just concentrate. Remember, you have to just meet two out two of, of the three, three. requirements yeah. for medical decision-making. You have to look at the number of, you know, diagnostic and treatment options, the analysis of how much data, and then the risk of complications or morbidity, right? And in the new system, that stays exactly the same, right? I just have to meet one of those or two out of those three in order to arrive at what level of medical decision-making I, I did, whether the patient is new or established. So it has taken out a, a, you know, a whole bunch of complexity with how to score that. I, I yeah. think it makes it much more straightforward and understandable. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think um, my, my approach always almost is that almost every problem, well, almost every patient that has glaucoma that I've encountered also has signs and symptoms, signs and or symptoms of ocular surface disease. And I concur. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like, because so, of the agents that they're using. Correct. Correct. And so then you get to this point of like, well, you're talking a, a moderate level of, of problems with two or more stable chronic illnesses. I mean, that's, people don't think about that that way, but it's, but I'm, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I'll even walk in on a patient sometimes and I'll think, okay, I'm, I'm running, I'm running short on time. Just focus on their glaucoma today. Just don't ask them about anything else. And I, oh, and then they'll, and then they'll bring up, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit, you know, I'll be kind of gritty or irritated at the end of the day done right now. All of a sudden I've got to address that as well. And so, um, so I guess the point is to your point is that, I want, I want listeners to understand that there are, there are many conditions that most conditions, in fact, in my opinion, that we manage that are, that are kind of the big ones in our profession wind up being chronic uh, mm -hmm. from an eye care standpoint. And that's really advantageous from a coding standpoint. I concur completely. The other thing that it eliminates is when does your history start and when does it end? I get people that ask me that all the time and, you know, <laughs> all, you know, it's like, well, they told me something at the end of my encounter, right? Like you just uh, you yep. know, illustrated your example. 
So that that's no longer a factor, right? If they say, hey, you know, my I, my eyes at the end of the day, they're gritty, they're whatever, you can say, great. So tell me a little bit more about that. You know, you're managing that anyways, right? You know, they've been managed for that at some point in time, even if on that given day, you forgot to address it in, in your history. There's no worry about, God, do I got to go back and now write that in or, or score it in some way. You can just employ that into your medical decision-making as well, yeah. right? And, and, you know, whether that, in, you know, prompts you to change the agent that they're using or to add a supplemental type of a treatment uh, protocol for that, or have the patient back to do additional testing because you need to identify what the source of that, you know, uh, new or new symptom is, you know, it's, it's, it's all, again, it's really just going back to caring for the patient, yeah. right? And I think that that's the nicest thing. And you know, whether you want to score it by time um, or not, I think that you know, I've always been an advocate of, uh, I guess, delegation, right? I, I, I am so tired of the doctor doing everything in eye care, right? I mean, my God, optometrists need to get off their high horse. And right. I, I hope I don't offend anybody. I'm not saying that you know, in an ill way. We have to transform ourselves to be data analyzers, not data collectors. Let our team, well-qualified, well-trained team, collect the data as much as your state law will allow. Yep. You go in as the end of, as a physician and analyze the data. That's where the magic happens, right? The transformation of your intellectual property up here to that patient care. And that's why I think in most situations, Chris, the since we can't count all of our text time, that's why I think MDM is where we're really going to land most of the time that's going to be advantageous for us under the new system and scoring our visits. John Rampakis, amen. This is a lot of fun. I'll, 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 I don't know a better way to, to uh, end it than that, but thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about this for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I appreciate yep. it. Chris, I really appreciate the opportunity as well. And uh, I don't know what time of the year this is going to air, so I'll just say happy holidays in advance, right? Yes, yeah, awesome.